It is just, uh, it's wonderful. Every, everything about being in Christ is absolutely wonderful. You know, everything about it. Just the song we uh, just sung, uh, how beautiful it is to let Christ have his way with thee. Uh, how beautiful and how wonderful that is. It's great to see you all here tonight. Let's go together to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. Oh, how we thank you for blessing us and for keeping us and for strengthening us through good times and bad times, for always being there with us and for us, for offering yourself to us every day, every minute, every second, every hour of our lives. For, Lord God, with you, all things work together for good. Help us to continue to love you and serve you and honor you and remember Jesus and to honor Jesus in all that we say and do. Please bless us as we worship you tonight. Remove our world, our mind from worldly thought and help us just to focus on you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee. If it be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Luke chapter 3. What would it be like to spend a day with Jesus? Um, and I thought about that and, uh, just is pretty exciting. You know, we think about people's lives and you go, wow, I wonder what it would have been like to be with this person on this day when these events happened. Or I wonder what it would have been like to be in this place during this particular event or time. And Jesus, he spent 33 years here on the earth, and we only get a glimpse of it. We only get that, you know, 1,200 um, days or so, three years, three years and maybe a couple of months of his life, and that's it. What would it have been like to be with Jesus even before his ministry? He began his ministry uh, in verse 30, uh, 23, rather. Uh, it says, and when he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, uh, being supposed the son of Joseph, uh, the son of Eli. He, um, 30 years old, he started, and, and it was about a three-year ministry. What would it have been like to be with him? And I want you to think about his life, right, in that, in that he's 30 years old and there's a three-year ministry. I want to go all the way over to John chapter uh, 20. And in that three years, you talk about excitement. In that three years, in John 20, verse 30 and 31, you know the scripture, many other signs. Therefore, Jesus uh, also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And then in, in 21, he says, and there are many other things that Jesus did, I guess. If, if you were to write all of them in a book, the Bible says that the, whole, the world's greatest library couldn't contain it, right? In three years. So, so maybe it's talking about some of those years prior to his beginning, his public ministry. But what if contextually it's speaking only of the three years? Wow. You talk about busy. What would it have been like to spend a day with Jesus? So with all that in mind, turn to Mark chapter 1. So Jesus is very active. He's very busy. Uh, he's doing the work of the Father. He's doing his, his work that brings glory and honor to the Godhead. And he's serving God actively. And when you're as busy as Jesus was, and the disciples were later, and even during that ministry in that time, you got to take time, right? you got to take time, we would say, to spend with yourself. But Jesus took time to spend with the Father. And that's what I want us to get, if we could, in, in verse 30, um, chapter 1, in verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, 
He arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. So, in this devotion time, he spent it praying to the Father. He went to a lonely place to spend that time to get recharged, re-energized, refocused, right? To keep his focus on, on good, his focus on God, because he lived his life full of purpose, right? Every day was full of purpose. There's something about waking up today that God has blessed me to rise from my bed of slumber for his purpose. So what am I doing today for the purpose of God? Verse 38 again, he said, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. So having that that personal and private time, turn to Psalm chapter 4, is very necessary, but you got to have that time with God. You have to spend time, personal time, private time with God alone. If you don't have that personal time, that relationship with God, it it makes life um, uh, more difficult because you lose the purpose because Satan is there to take away our purpose. And I want you to think about... um, your, your prayer life, like in your prayer life, what do you have to say to God? And so sometimes uh, our prayers are really short because we really don't know what to say to God or we don't have that kind of a relationship with the Lord. But at home, our life, not the, not the prayer, the pulpit, but at home, our private lives, we should have an awful lot to talk to God about. Jesus spent the whole night talking to God, right? They had a lot to talk about. What do we have to talk about to God, both good and asking, if you will, him to give you strength in those areas where we find ourselves uh, with weaknesses during this time right now. Asking God, give me the courage to step out there and be what you want me to be. In Psalm 4, in verse 4, speaking of private time, tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. I thought it was important um, for my children growing up to play, <laughs> this, might, this dates me a little bit, right? You know, CDs, you know, right? And they, it only dates me for the kids. If I said eight-track cassettes, it'd really date me, wouldn't it? Um, to play CDs of the Bible, the whole Bible, right? And every night we change them over, uh, and they listen to that going to sleep because I want them to have that time with God. I want them to listen to what God wanted them to say or think about all through the night and meditate on it, whatever they could keep or retain. Um, when I grew up, we listened to music. Turn the radio on, and then you get all that filth in your head all the time, Right? But instead, we gave them something else to think about, right? You ever, you ever gone to bed listening to a song, and you woke up and the song was on your mind, right? And that's why I believe that that was important to have them go to bed listening, to, which we all did because it was loud enough for all of us to hear it. Hearing God speak to us and then waking up with those words on our hearts. Spending that personal and private time with God purposefully, uh, unintentionally, Right? And in other words, you're going to sleep, so you're not necessarily intending to listen, but your brain has to, has no choice. Psalm 46, this personal, private time with God. Verse 10, see striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. See striving and know that I am God. You gotta have that personal 
time with God. Now, here's something to think about. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. A time of fulfillment for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness only comes from God. Having that moment to read the Bible, to read His Word, and to dig and ask God, God, what do you want me to know about me? Right? And that's the way you should always read the Bible. You always want to know what God's trying to tell me. Because the book is written to me. It's written to all of us individually. It's written to us collectively. What does God want me to know about me? So, First Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. I usually read verses 2 and 3, but first, and then go back. But let's go to verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all gall and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So the qualifier, the qualifier is verse 3. If, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, therefore, since you have, put aside, verse 1, all malice and all gall and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, and like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. I think all of us could admit, every person in the world could admit, they tasted the kindness of God. To desire God is fulfilling because again, God fills us up with what we desire the most. Like the Bereans. Turn to Acts 17 and verse 11. The Bereans are more noble-minded, right, than, than the rest. Because they would go back and take even what the Apostle Paul said. And they would dig. Because you can imagine all the prophecies that, that Paul mentions in his lessons in, in Romans and in Hebrew, other places, wherever he's writing, and where all the literature that's being spoken, they wanted to go back and make sure that the connections were there. And so in verse 11 it says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They were longing, they were longing for God and His message. They were longing for the truth of God's Word. And what happens when you long and hunger, turn to Philippians 4, and thirst for righteousness? Jesus said, you'll be filled, Right? And so when, the, when our lives are, are, are full of purpose and we, we really truly want to know more about God, we're longing to know the message from God when you are looking for it, God will give it to you and He'll fill you up. And then your cup will overflow, right? Like Luke says, it's overflowing because you want it. When God starts giving you stuff, it's always so much, it's in abundance. But you got to want it first, right? We don't always want what God wants to give us. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good repute, if there is any excellence or anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Longing for Jesus. And you know what's wonderful? Turn to Luke chapter 10, please. You know what's wonderful about longing for Jesus and allowing Jesus to fill you up? What Jesus gives you no one can take away from you. Isn't that beautiful? You know, what God gives us, no one can take away from us. I look at Mary and Martha in this particular, I'm going to grab just, you know, verse 41 and 42 out of the text when they were uh, helping and caring for uh, the people. But verse 41, But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary. Really only one. 
For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. That doesn't even sound like something you should teach in this world. Only one thing is necessary, and that's God. Really? No, no. There's so many, there's so, I can tell you so many things about what's necessary to survive in this life. Only one thing is necessary. That's God. Really. Kind of sounds foreign, doesn't it? Mark chapter 1. Spending a day with Jesus means you got to have, first of all, this, this private time that you spend alone. This time between you and God. And you're allowing God to talk to you, right? That's through the Word. You're reading the Bible. You're letting Him talk to you. You're praying to God. Dear God, tell me, you know, you're asking God questions about His Word and about, about your life and how He can use you in this way or in that way. But this is really important. Jesus seized the opportunities to help people on a regular basis. That's just what he did. He was just a helper of people. And I want to look at a few ways that he did that. First of all, verse 29 of Mark chapter 1. And immediately after they had come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. And he came to her and raised her up taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. So he helped them physically. Okay? That was important that, that she had lived through this episode. You know, they died of fevers back in, in those days. But he helped her physically. Right? People don't always know that you care until you show them that you care. Right? Jesus showed them that What's important to you is also important to me if it's in line with the will of God, right? And he did this all throughout his, his ministry. He went, he went about healing and helping people who were struggling physically to help them through their, their struggles, their difficulties, their pain, and their suffering and sorrow. And then look at verse 40. And a leper came to him, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him, immediately saying, or sent him away, excuse me. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but... Go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news about to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. So imagine the excitement of this, of this leper, right? Jesus told him, don't say anything. He said, how can I hold this in? How can I hold this in? And he told so many people that he, he restricted Jesus' access to the people. He had to go in different areas to preach because this man took over the preaching. Because this man got to see Jesus in a light that was so necessary. That there were some things that happened to him that day that, that, are, that are more fulfilling or Maybe nothing's more fulfilling, if you will, in the sense of being cured of leprosy. But I want you to think about what really happened. Look at verse 41. Move with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. The first thing Jesus did was he listened to him. 
What's a leper supposed to say? Leper, leper, unclean, unclean, right? We listen to that because that means get away. But Jesus listened to him as he began to speak to him. He didn't say, get away from me, you're a leper, get away from me. You're, you're breaking the law, get away from me, leper, leper. He didn't do that. He listened to him. And the leper asked him a question and said, he fell on his knees before him and he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He took time to listen to him. And then he did something else. He touched him. You know how long it's been since that leper had been touched? Right? You don't touch lepers. Right? Weeping leprosy was a terrible thing. That's why they isolated them. You don't touch a leper. Jesus touched him. And so there was this, this emotional blessing that came to this leper that Jesus listened to him. No one, people hadn't listened to him in years. Jesus was willing to touch him. He hadn't been touched in years or however long it would have been. And then Jesus healed him. So Jesus was moved with compassion. Turn to Romans 16. How compassionate are we toward our fellow man, toward each other? Right? I mean, you know, folks, uh, we, we, uh, we go out and we battle Satan all day and um, we struggle and we fight with uh, Satan and we try to stay faithful and true to God. And it's nice when you come to the building and brother, they're nice to you, isn't it? He touched him. He's aware of his emotional issues. It was there for him. Verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And you, and you, got, you have 15 verses of different congregations in different places meeting together. And then it says, all these churches of Christ, all of them, send you greetings. Greeting was, uh, the greeting was very important to the Jews. Uh, very important in, in culture. It's, it's, it's important to us as well. They say that, that Christians live longer because of our physical touch. Humans, we thrive on that. We, we greet each other. We shake hands. We, we hug. We, we're there for each other. It's important to be there for one another. Turn to Mark chapter 1, please. So Jesus, he was there for them physically. He took care of their, their physical needs uh, to make sure that uh, they were well cared for. He took care of their emotional needs. He noticed they had uh, struggles, and so he was there for them emotionally. But then he was there for them spiritually, right? The spiritual need. How important was that? Verse 14 of Mark chapter 1. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The common denominator for all that Jesus did was the spiritual side, right? It was the spiritual side. But it, it, takes, it takes some of the physical and the emotional to get to people when it comes to the spiritual side. People aren't in the world in general always seeking after God. More so, they're seeking after what God can do for them, right? Mark chapter 10. What we want to do is help them to recognize, yeah, there are lots of things that God can do for you, that God will do for you, that the church of God will do for you, the people of God. But then we want to get the emotional to them. 
right? And the spiritual to them. We want to make sure they understand that their souls are critical and important to God. So blind Bartimaeus in uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. I want you to listen to the text for just a moment. Verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazarene, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What was the reaction of people in those days when a blind beggar, you know, yelled out? Think about you. You're walking down the street in, in Anchorage, and, and someone yells out and calls your name or, or says, you know, to you. Just they, 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 they get your attention, and they say, please have mercy on you, me. Please help me. How many people drive right by? How many people will be affected by that person crying out for help? I pray, God, that every, every child of God would be affected in some way and would stop and say, what can I do for you? Right? So he's crying out, and then listen to the response, if you will, in verse 48. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. You know, they were like, hey, hush, the master's here. No, that's not how you read souls. Right? And many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call, and, excuse me, call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise, he is calling for you. And casting aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. But notice in the text, he's crying out. He's hushed. He cries out more. And what does Jesus do? Jesus stopped. You've got to recognize people's needs. Right? So imagine being with Jesus and then he he astonishes you by by stopping for a blind beggar. I mean, what was that blind beggar going to give to Jesus? See, it's never it's not about what people can give to us or do for us. And, and if that's what you that's the way you live your life, you're gonna be disappointed time and time again. It's what we can give to others and what God gives to us. Jesus stopped. Verse 48. Many sternly were telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, arise, he is calling for you. It's like, you know, they were saying to him, Oh, now you're special because... Jesus wants you. But see, Jesus already recognized him as being special. And that's why Jesus wanted him. Every human being is special to God. Turn to Luke chapter 19. We have to learn to take the time to stop and recognize all the stuff that's going on around us. People are suffering, and they're hurting, and it is you, God's people, who have the good word and the ability in some way or another to make others feel better about their life by talking to them about Jesus. 
Something else. Verse 3. He was trying to see who Jesus was. This is, this is our, our friend Zacchaeus. And he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So it's our little kid story, right? There's no, there are no children in this story. We made it a, a children's story. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus notices when people are interested in him. So when we ask God to fill our bucket, he recognizes that. Do we notice people who are interested in God, regardless of their, their, their status, their financial status, their, their status on the job? Do we notice people who are interested in God? They want to know more about God. Zacchaeus was so interested in God that he climbed the tree, and Jesus recognized him. Out of the whole crowd, he recognized that that man who was small in stature. Because that man recognized that Jesus had something that he needed. The key to helping people, I want to go back to Mark chapter 10, is to stop for individuals to slow down a little bit in our lives and recognize uh, those who are interested in Christ. A, a day in the life of Christ we we'll do nothing more but, but focus our hearts on Jesus to spend one-on-one -on -one time with, with our God to help people physically. We would help people emotionally. We would help people spiritually. That's what that day would be like. And then I pondered this question. I pondered it often. I pondered it for, for years. And it's in Mark 10 in verse 51. In answering him, Jesus said, What? Do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, I, I, I want you to regain my sight. I want to regain my sight, rather. I, I ponder the question, what do you want me to do for you? And I've asked myself this question over and over again. What really, what would have been the right answer? What would have been that wow moment for God? And I wonder that. And I ask myself, when I think about that question, um, how, do you, how do you answer that question from Jesus? If he asked you that question, what would your answer be? Think about that. Now, now over the years, I've had different answers, right, over, over the years. And, and you, you know, over the, you know, the last whatever number of years in the past, I've come to this one answer that I, I've never been able to change because it is the right answer and it's the only answer for me. And that is, take my family now to heaven right now. That's the right answer. That's the only answer. And I look at the scriptures that everyone that Jesus asked that question of, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> what an answer. What other answer can you think of? And I talked to someone about that. And they said, well, you know, no, I want to spend my retirement first with my so-and-so person. And 
And I was like, no. The right answer is, you don't need your retirement. Get the other retirement. (laughs) Get the spiritual one. The only answer is, take my family and out of heaven right now. That's the only answer. But then again, maybe you have another. Tonight, as you contemplate, hopefully and prayerfully, what it will be like to spend a day with Jesus in, in your life, and contemplate that answer. What would, that, what would your answer be regarding that question? You contemplate the question, rather. Tonight, the question is, are you saved? And if not, what's, what's keeping you from surrendering to Christ in the waters of baptism? You know? And the only answer is, me, right? I'm keeping myself tonight when you come to Jesus. And if you're struggling in your faith and we can pray with you or for you, what's holding you back? And the only answer is me. I'm holding myself back. The lesson is yours. Thank you for your time. Let's stand together, please, and sing our closing song.